Hello and welcome to this edition of Betting People. I'm very pleased to be back um, following the footsteps of the brilliant Simon Knott and I'm very happy to give you a brilliant guest, um, somebody who is a real icon of mine in the political betting world. He's on the other side of the world to me, he's across the pond, but I'm extremely happy to have the host of Star Spangled Gamblers, the founder of Star Spangled Gamblers, Alex Keeney, otherwise known as Keen Dog, to those of us on Twitter. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Icon, that's kind of a loaded term. Uh, what is it, like the Madonna and the child is the icon here? No, no, no. Um, I icon is a good thing. It's fandom. F think Taylor Swift. Think of Swift. Oh, she's the best, by the way. She's. I dare you to tell me that there's a bigger star in the world or a better star. No. No, no. Um, I, I'm going to get absolutely monstered by the Minaj people in the Bay High for that, but no. Um, <laughs> anyhow. Yeah, yeah, and the Adele people too. Oh, God, the Adele people, yes. So both sides of the pond. Um, a good start to this interview. Um, right. Just quickly, actually, because I um, did some digging, did some research, and prior to founding Star Spangled Gams, I'm going to talk lots about um, physical betting and strategies. You were a marketing executive but who are you a marketing executive for i think people will know this person um i like do i just say it is that the way this works yeah say it go just, on. we just saw the truth here yeah we we, we saw the truth here on betting people go on i worked for jordan belfort the real wolf of wall street how in the world did you end up doing that uh it will it's um listen, like whoever tells you you shouldn't just do things for the sake of doing them is completely lying to you. Uh, I uh, frankly, my understanding from my perspective working there was that I kind of got the job because I had a podcast called Star Spangled Gamblers that was um, putting, you know, idiotic degenerate political content out on the internet. And there was a specific business that he was interested in at the time. And for some reason, it was sort of like a proof of concept that I could, you know, make a podcast and talk about things in a stupid, idiotic way. And, uh, and uh, it turns out that there's a business in that. So um, uh, believe it or not, it was just making dumb content for the internet was kind of how it came to pass. A truly modern fairy tale. What was it like working for him? Um, I mean, I don't want to talk out of school, but he's, he's, He's a genius, um, and uh, he's a lot like the guy in the movie. Fair enough. Um, we might circle back to that later, but just moving on to Star Spangled Gambler. So, sort of, how did you come up with the idea of you know making your? Well, can we can we tell the people what it is? Yes, you can tell the people what it is. Okay, 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 okay. So, um, Star Spangled Gamblers is um, the global hub of political gambling uh, degenerate knuckleheads like myself, uh, William, you're a little bit more polished, a little bit more refined than uh, some of the people that we feature on the show. But there is a community of people. I like to say that we're the outsiders who beat the insiders at their own game. And we pool all of their knowledge and all of their insights in one place, starspangledgamblers.com or the YouTube or the Twitter or whatever. And um, we just cover the news, but we cover the news through the eyes of people who bet on it. That's what we do. So um, I think we've got a great thing going. I never would have met you if it wasn't for Star Spangled Gamblers. Wouldn't have met a lot of guys on the other side of the pond, just the legends. You know, you guys, like you guys are the ones who built this business. We're just, you know, making dumb YouTube videos about it. It's a beautiful ecosystem. Uh, and speaking of that business, um, how did you get into political betting or, or political training? Because 
over there, um, you know, fixed odds isn't yet nearly as big as it is here. You're on the Rose legalization, but it's mainly predicted and Kaloshi and I forget the, the the sort of crypto exchange that there is. Uh, poly market, poly market, poly market. Yeah, yeah. Um, explain how predicted works quickly uh, for those. Um, I think it's kind of like markets over there, right? Are we yeah. allowed to talk about markets on a Star Star Sports podcast? Go for it. Uh, so it's it's like a stock market. So it's denominated, you know, what zero cents to a dollar. Maybe another metaphor would be like options trading. Um, whatever. Like today, I think the odds are eighty percent that this big dumb spending bill of Joe Manchin's is going to pass Congress. It was at sixty cents this morning, but some news came out. So uh, you know, the the price of it happening went up. Um, I don't know. Is this is this an uncommon thing um, in the UK? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of uncommon in the US, to be honest. No, uh, it's reasonably common over here. We just have exchanges to trade them on. And also, to be fair, some people will just be sharp and they'll jump on fixed odds for it. Fixed yeah. odds change an awful lot like exchanges do. Um, I guess the sense is that if you want to do your direct trading, you've got to have your multiple wages. But Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So a little more, like a little bit more dynamic, but also it's a little harder to explain to people what political gambling is because, you know, like first you have to tell them that it exists, then you have to tell them that it's legal. But then when they like start asking you for odds and you're like, well, it's, you know, 33 cents that Joe Biden wins the presidential election in 2024, they're like, what? 30, like 33 cents? What is like, they, they, they just look at you very confused. To be fair, you can get the same thing here with fractals. Um, do you ever not just go to them and say it's the percentage? You know, it, it's a thirty-three percent chance or something. You know, I sort of stay out of it. I I feel like um, you know, content makers and participants. So I would include myself. I guess I would include you too, although you kind of work for the man a little bit over there. Mm. Um, but you know, our job is to sort of build a culture, and a culture can sustain a business. But you know, the the hard choices of marketing and um you know the tech product like that's that's their problem that's not my problem my problem is just to uh make it fun and um so that's what we do at star spangling gamblers we make it fun and we um make it profitable too for uh you know those who put in the time speaking of putting in the time just wanted to ask you is is that your edge you know is because i've been listening to some stuff earlier and i've been on star spangled gamblers and over there with predicted, et cetera, it can just sometimes be literally putting in more time, however much sort of insights you might think you have or whatever can be a, a really big edge on any given market. Yeah. I mean, I think that any work you do is rewarded or at least any work you do over a certain amount. I mean, there are any exchange is always going to have the people who just want to bet a hundred bucks on Trump or bet 50 bucks on you know Bernie Sanders or something like that. Um, I don't think I work nearly as hard as some people do. I mean, the really, really great traders who are making, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, they're playing on a different level. My job is to be almost as good at them and to figure out how to, you know, create funny content that can help other people sort of, you know, piece it together in their own brains. So, um, you know, that's what I'm really the best at. Uh, what other people are the best at is finding just insanely finite edges in uh, questions of our politics that most people never even think about, but these people do and they make a lot of money. Um, how much trading do you yourself do? 
I limit myself a little bit because now that, you know, Star Spangled Gamblers is something more than just what like my mom and my aunts, you know, read out of obligation and like people are actually wagering money, you know, with this as a as a reference point. I try and keep my total handle under about $10,000 at any given time. Um uh but uh, I'm also scared, you know. I'm a weenie. I'm a big weenie, and um, when I read about people, you know, going to the, the casino on Super Bowl Sunday and you know laying a million dollars on the table, I don't even. I would have a heart attack. I would die before I even, you know, like took my betting ticket. So um, it's convenient. Let me say that. Yeah, I mean, a confession here, me, me too. But it, again, the staking sort of all relative. Um, somebody actually asked me. I, I told somebody that I was doing this interview, and they asked me. A really good question i thought which was just sort of do you think predict it and i'm i'm asked this question sort of generally um actually two questions number one do you think predict it is a particularly like clued in or like sharp base of people that's a very generic question and then um do you think that political gamblers sort of as a whole are, are sort of sharp um, and maybe a bit sharper than other sports, you might say. I'm comparing it to a sport here. It's the easiest. Yeah. Um, well, I'll be honest with you. I think, um, you know, like you said, in the States, we have three exchanges that operate. Um, if I were to make the perfect exchange, I would probably take, you know, a little bit from Predicted, a little bit from Calshi, and a little bit from Polymarket. But uh, I'm not in charge. And, the, you know, it's very tightly scrutinized and regulated by the government in the United States. So to some extent, you know, no one's really allowed to build a perfect product. So um, I, I would love to change things. There are a lot of things in my life I would like to change. I'd like to weigh 10 pounds less, um, but I'm not uh, in a position and don't really want to you know, criticize people too much um, you know, who have to really weigh these things. Um, as for uh, political betters in the United States, um, you know, well, what did you think with the first time you heard of political gambling? Like, what did you think the average better was going to be? Um, I was a bit naive to it. I thought initially, and I guess I still do. Well, actually, no, I, I don't think it's anymore. But I, I thought initially, the average person would be like far more clued up. And I think it's a bit of one and half dozen of the other. It's like six on one side, half dozen the other, because you get some markets where your average person is likely to have usually because we, we do a lot of requested markets as well, right? The person who are requesting it, they've already got their angle in. Right. But then you have general elections and presidential elections over here, and money begins flooding in for all sorts of reasons, you know, and, and that can be just simply stuff like, and I've done this in the past, like emotional hedging, right? Right, right. Uh, I don't want this outcome to happen, but I, so I can chuck 20 or whatever on this, and at least if I have to drown my, political stories or whatever get a bit of money out of it so, right, so right. It, it depends i think on the size of the market the bigger the market usually the better the opportunity yeah yeah so i sort of um i don't know if i expected but i definitely hoped that political gambling would be full of just huge meatheads who just were looking for you know one more thing to drink beer and argue with their friends about but uh, and those people do exist by the way shout out zoltar shout out blitz the tweak god these are some great betters in america um but for the most part i, I think that it's kind of like I always like to offend my audience here and say that uh, it's very heavily kind of beta males who have the competitive drive of alpha males. So like maybe they weren't that good at sports, um, but they still like winning. And um, so those people, um, maybe they weren't the best footballers, but um, uh, they like winning and they they do it with their brains. So uh, 
uh, very highly educated, uh, almost exclusively men, uh, extremely smart, um, and oftentimes they possess maybe one or two glaring blind spots. Uh, and that's where your kind of market advantage exists if you sort of understand traders and where they mess up, and frankly, understand yourself and um, where you are prone to mess up in a wagering pool. Um, do you keep a record of your trades and your bets, a sort of profit and loss? Do you keep a profit and loss? Um, Pratik keeps a profit and loss for the podcast. Um, I, do, we, are, do we dare introduce another character another at this point? We'll hopefully have on um, down the line very soon. But uh, no, so a profit and loss for the podcast. And um, what mistakes did you make when you first started doing this that you managed to cut out? Or what, what sort of early basic areas did you make, do you think? I think? I think the hardest thing to learn for me and I think probably widely for a lot of traders, like I'm still working on it, is um, what is something worth? Like, what is it actually worth? Like, you think, um, you know, you think Liz Trust is going to be the uh, the PM? Well, like, how sure are you? You know, are you 50% sure? Are you 90%? How, you know, so um, that is the thing that I have had to get better at over time. And there's a second part of that that's hard to learn, which is, um, how much time do you have to make your buy or to make your sale? So, for example, today in the United States, uh, people who are political junkies noticed that a constitutional amendment in the state of Kansas. Do you think do people in the UK know that the state of Kansas exists? I reckon the political best as well. I'm right. confident elsewhere. Right? Maybe if they'd seen like the Wizard of Oz or something like that. Mm, that's true. Could be Judy Garland. Okay. All right. So the state of Kansas just voted down by a wide margin uh, a ballot to remove abortion as a constitutional right in the state. It's kind of wordy. But the point is, is that a very Republican state just absolutely nuked this amendment. And the way that the markets have interpreted this is that the Democrats who are thought to be walking into a slaughterhouse this November for the election might actually have a chance of winning it because this was just so unforeseen to many. Well, Here's something I messed up that I still mess up. What I messed up was I've been holding the Democrats to control the Senate for months. And I just gave up on it a week or two ago. I thought, man, like, you know, Joe Biden can't get out of his own way. These idiots can't get anything done. I'm just like, all I'm going to do is lose money. So I sold out of that position at a moderate loss. Uh, but if I just held on to it for another week or two and really kind of trusted my initial conviction that at some point the Democrats would get it right, I would be sitting on a lot more money. Uh, I say that as a way of maybe representing all traders who really wrestle with this, which is, you know, how much time do I have to exit this market? How much time do I have to get into this market before it runs away from me? And it's still something that I struggle with. Um, and I, I would guess that many of your listeners, and maybe even yourself, are the same way. You know, there's being right, mm -hmm. there's buying at the right price, and there's understanding timing. You know, these these are all different skill sets you have to develop uh, as you go along. Speaking of somebody who failed on that twice in the Tory leadership race, I absolutely understand you. Now, just quickly, two questions, two follow-up questions on that point. Um, firstly, when you sold out, were you just sort of reading the polls and the forecast? 538 is now forecasting this. I think others have followed suit. Were you looking at that hard data and thinking, okay, cut the losses? Um, and, and also, were you aware of the, the Kansas Amendment coming up? Because um, it made our news here. But, yeah. I don't, but I I think unless unless you were sort of really keyed up into it, wouldn't have been the first thing on the fourth of evening. I think people would have decent interest in politics in the UK. Right, right. So uh, yes and no. So first of all, I would like in that 
particular market, I was on the right side of it. Um, but did I take the extra step? I mean, that's the difference between good and great, right? Like good is like, okay, you make a prediction. Great is you make a prediction and then you can map it to like 15 different places where you know markets will respond. Did I do that? Absolutely not. I didn't do that. Um, so uh, I, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe I'm just average, QJ. No, never. I could never dream of it. Um, and Nick, thank you so much for your time. We'll be back with part two. Thank you very much for watching. Hello and welcome back to Betting People with Alex Keeney of the Star Spangled Gamblers. Now, I want to talk strategies. I want to talk sort of life lessons of wagering and gambling. I also want to ask you a question um, which just came to mind, but um, do you ever wager at fixed odds um, anymore? Is, is it all trades? Is it all ins and outs now? The, the only fixed odds bets that I've ever made in my life were um, a couple miles from where I was born at Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby. Um, but this is this is my only betting, wagering, um, gambling experience other than that is, is politics. I want to know sort of any philosophies that you might have um, regarding sort of wagering that I think might be useful to people in this podcast. Are there any sort of rules that you have, things that you absolutely stick to when you're doing this or... Are you sort of much more flexible? Oh, I, I would say my biggest weakness as a person is I'm a little bit too flexible. Um, what are guiding principles? Um, I would say be very leery of overreacting. Um, you know, your mm -hmm. instinct to panic when money is on the line or to uh, buy things that seem too good to be true. Like usually if you feel like you're panicking or if you're buying into an opportunity that's too good to be true, most of the time, that is exactly what is going on. Like that little piece, that little angel on my shoulders has saved me a lot of money, but sometimes I still ignore her. Do you have any examples um, of that in particular markets? Yeah. Um, someone out there is going to hear this and correct me, but I want to say when either John Conyers or John Dingle died slash resigned in the state of Michigan, we're going like really, really deep into Americana here, uh, two of the longest serving members of Congress, there was a special election to replace that member of Congress. And I bet, I couldn't believe I was getting like five cents, you know, 20 to one odds on the, the polling favorite to win the primary or something like that. Anyway, the point is, is that I bought in like the general election and not the special election and the candidate hadn't filed. And that was by far the most egregious example. But um, there are a lot of a lot of times that happens. Last night, last night in Arizona, I messed up, you know, like I, uh, you know, I sold some winning shares of uh, crazy Carrie Lake in Arizona to be the governor because I just didn't, you know, I was just like, I can't, can't handle the stress of like watching these election returns come in like i just want to go to sleep so i sold my last stack of shares just to just because i wanted to go to bed that's lazy bro you know like that's panic that's panic selling when maricopa county isn't what you want it to be <laughs> well just on that point the time point is really important because um people listening to this will put all different amounts of time you know this will be the full-time job for some people watching yeah um, can you give us an example say as a percentage of your your working week how much time would you put into everything you'd call political gambling maybe like 20 hours um maybe more to be honest um the thing is though it's like 
the the reason why people are wrong when they say good guys finish last is like star spangled gamblers would be an example so um star spangled gamblers you could like squint at it and say it was an educational product you know we cover the news and help people bet on it so people are getting educated or something obviously like when you're cutting videos and stuff you're not able to scrutinize some of the data that the people you're betting against are but the good side is is that people send you information too um, so, you know, my process has changed over the last few years from, you know, like really getting into the weeds to sort of providing provocative content and, you know, getting other smart traders to debate it with me. And, um, like that's, that is my, but that's my process in life too. Like my process in life is to sort of think out loud, see how people respond, uh, you know, debate and then reach a consensus. Um, and I think a lot of great traders don't do that. I think a lot of great traders are just very confident in themselves. They're very comfortable to work alone and to um, emerge with great insights and sometimes to never take credit or even be known. So, uh, you know, more than one way to skin a cat. No, absolutely. Um, just on data, actually, I want to get into this, right? Because polling recently has had. I, I think a lot of time in the spotlight in the sense that people are now sort of watching pollsters, they're scrutinizing forecasts, whatever. They, they've always been scrutinized, but right. the, the stakes, it feels, have gotten a little higher. Um, we had Brexit over here, which was, I think, to fair say, a polling miss, and that follows some general election polling misses. And um, in the US, I think we, I, I don't know how big a polling miss uh, people would, you'd call Trump. I think it was way overblown. In yeah. terms of like, oh, the pulse has got it wrong. Well, much more nuanced than that. How much stock do you put in forecasters? Are, are there any you follow in particular? You know, um, Nate Silver seems to get it in the neck a lot more now um, than yeah. when I first came in. But but would there be people like that that you're always keeping an eye out for? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I don't, you know, I haven't solved the problem yet. I know traders who, go and conduct their own polls in contested areas because they're frankly trying to solve the problem for themselves um i tend to follow just quickly the, um just, sorry sorry to interrupt you my phone how how much might that cost them because polling in general good polling is really expensive um and generally only media buy it um and yeah so i mean I, I don't think that they're you know they possess the skills natively um they go to uh I, I don't know how much it costs them, but they seem to think that it's worth the worth the price. But you know, it's more uh, you know driving to a random town in a random congressional district, uh, doing a survey and and trying to reach conclusions that they think that um, not only impacts maybe the state of California or a county in California, but you know, two hundred counties like it across the country that might swing elections. It's a different type of thinking, bro. It's not you and me. I, I mean, I follow the people who move markets. You know, like I don't. You know they probably are more right than other people but it's what traders respond to so it's at least good to know that you know so um uh, you know nate silver uh who's the guy robert callahy over the trafalgar group that people like to try and dunk on because he's you know he's like the maga pollster but it's kind of been on a run lately um i i want to say i know who you're thinking no i i can't i'm sorry the only vaguely trump is pollster I know of, and I am so about to get this wrong. Um, it's not Morning Consult. I want. Is it Morning Consult? No. I think it's Trafalgar Group. It's Traf it, yeah. I think it's Trafalgar Group. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I follow what they do. Like they've got a following. 
Uh, the New York Times needle is better than advertised. You can get a pretty good, pretty so good true. idea of what's going it's on. So, you know? so and, and yeah. so much of that data is, is, is so comprehensive and so so worth having. So, yeah. So to continue. Yeah. And I and I follow other traders. You know, like follow you know Sharko Rubio, follow Iabvac, follow. You know, there's some really smart people who are as good uh, as the quote unquote pros, and um, they're doing it explicitly for political betting. Now, I and I know some other people will follow the likes predicted and other markets in the US um, to see if we can get the jump on um, basically information and market trends. Yes. Do you ever do vice versa for the international markets predicted offer? Because there are lots of international markets on predicted, including um, betting on not only leadership races here, I know, but also general elections. Um, etc uh so would you ever look at uh not just an exchange or a fixed odds person or would you ever follow uk polls or analysts anything like that you know i uh, probably should but we i and most of the people i know are you know try and stay up on what betfair or you know star sports or smarkets has to say about anything and um uh, may, maybe in the way of uh, the global economy, you know, beyond that, it's a it's a call to William or it's a call to Shads or Mahdi or something like that to try and make sense of what you know doesn't always translate across the ocean. Flattered, flattered as ever. Um, and as a part two closer, um, do you think that in general, uh, political betting? Is going to become something which is now sort of even more international because as i speak you know if i wanted to i can go and seek out markets to bet on election in brazil and they, we've had betting on france australia america of course is a given um do you expect to see more growth in those areas um because with something like predict it uh, you're already betting on nearly everything you can in domestic US politics. And then you go to the other exchanges and you're already betting on sort of most of those stock options, uh, you know, stuff about inflation and the weather, et cetera. So wait, so are you asking like about predictive trading or American interest in wagering on foreign markets or what's- I guess American interest in wagering on foreign markets, really. Bro, do you, since when have Americans ever cared about what's going on in other parts of the world? The queen, uh, pop culture, um tv and film and that's it right i i mean i think uh yeah i i, I don't think you're ever going to find americans who are passionate about what emmanuel macron's future is like or if sweden is going to exchange uh you know kurdish prisoners with turkey to finish their nato application this, this is not shit that americans care about like taylor swift americans care about taylor swift you know uh uh, NFTs, Americans care about stupid. We, we, McDonald, like, we do not care about this shit at all. Well, you heard it there from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we'll be back with part three. Hello, back again for the finale of my interview with Alex Keeney of Star Spangled Gambas. And I want to ask you um, to kick this off. Um, what's your top asset? What's your top skill when it comes to political betting? Um, maybe, uh, do you remember, like, I feel like maybe I've got like the Jane Goodall skills. Do you remember Jane Goodall? 
I really feel like I should. And I feel like when you point out what it is, I'm going to be really mad I don't. She was the woman who like went and lived with some apes or something like that or chimpanzees. That retreat thing. There was a Simpsons episode about that. I remember now. Right, right, right. Yeah, the Little Simpsons for the boys. Uh, and and just chronicled the behavior of like lower order primates and you know now nature. Um, I feel like I've got like Jane Goodall's eye for politicians, like real small stuff about what they say and like how they talk. That um, you know, it gives me a little bit of an edge when it comes to betting on you know perhaps how they might vote or. Uh, we have, you have mentioned markets too over there, right? Like what words are going to be in a speech or oh, stuff we, like this. We love buzzword bingo over here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what, like one of my, one of the most read posts in the history of Star Spangled Gamblers was this um, Senator from Louisiana here, which is, is there, is there a place in Europe that's like Louisiana, like maybe like Sicily or something like that? Yeah, well, Sicily. No, I want to say that all the ta- I want to say that Italy has much more of a New Jersey thing because of like the various culture crossovers. I don't yeah. know where Louisiana would be, but somebody maybe like maybe like Scotland or something. Just some like tough ass country people. Oh well, there's there's a fair bit of that in Scotland and probably Ireland and also actually, come to think of it, Wales and English country, the British countryside. Yeah, you could definitely yeah. find that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Bill Cassidy like looks like he's a member of like the Scots Guards or something like that. Now he's like a medical doctor and a surgeon, and he's you know he's not an idiot. He's a very smart guy, but he's just like very very stern guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they were considering whether or not to impeach Donald Trump, he just had an especially stern haircut. And I just couldn't stop looking at his haircut and the way he was talking and his like boxy suit. And I was like, this dude, this this hardcore Republican from Louisiana is going to impeach Donald Trump. People thought I was crazy. They called me a scammer. It was one of the best trades I ever made. It was like the most read post in the history of Star Spangled Gamblers about Bill Cassidy's haircut. So that stuff's ridiculous, but like it tells you a lot. So um, that's that's my skill. It's just stupid stuff like that the politicians do that tell you more than they meant to tell you. And let's bet on that now. Let's go, boys. That's it. Absolutely love it. Um, speaking of politicians, going to give you a few quick fire questions that I'm sure the international audience would appreciate answers to. Um, these are meant to be timeless, I know, but I feel like this will remain fairly relevant for a while. So, first things first, um, head on the block, is Biden going to run for re-election? Oh, don't ask me that, dude. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, that puts me against the crowd and all the sharps, but I think so. What are the current predicted prices? It's like 30 cents that he'll win the nomination. Around the same as it is here, I think. I I, I think it's it's surprising to some people. Um, I know we're well clued up that there's so much sort of doubt and uncertainty. Um, I presume you have it as a given, as I do, that Donald Trump will run? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think... Do you think he wins it? Um, oh, you're just like, these are the worst questions. Um, <laughs> I'm known for I, I guess I don't have it as a given that he runs, to be honest with you. Um, my, my betting strategy for the Republican field is it's like, it's clear that he's weak enough that a lot of people will get into the field. And one of the lessons I took from 2020 and 2016, and honestly, a little bit the Republican primary in 2012 with 
you know, Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum kind of having their days is that there's a lot of time in an election for a, you know, a politician to have his or her 15 minutes of fame. And if you can get their prices at really, really long odds, you'll get the chance to sell for a nice gain. So um, I'm sort of screening out the Trump DeSantis question and just really trying to figure out how confident I can be that, you know, Mike Pompeo or Nikki Haley or Tom Cotton uh, is going to get into this race. So that's, and then it just causes me extraordinary pain to, to, to try and figure out what Donald Trump is going to do and what Joe Biden is going to do. Well, if it's anything, it's something that um, international betters uh, of all um, stars and stripes, I should say, shapes and sizes, I meant to say, um, will be considering too. Um, something I actually did want to ask you, betting on politics in the US is now something that, as far as I know, betters in almost every part of the world now do. Right? And they do like with increasing gain i think in the uk the 2020 election was one of the most wagered things we've ever had we took huge amounts of money on it i imagine the next time will be even bigger would there be any sort of i I guess lessons from elections past but also sort of nuggets for people following from abroad when it comes to this sort of stuff you know what, what should we be looking out for what should we avoid doing as well uh i mean what like u.s elections are almost perfect for betting right like it's like the premier league or something it's on a schedule there's two parties there's it's like it's made for tv um Mm. i just everything has a cycle you know every and, and the more you can understand kind of how the big machine works uh the better off you'll be you know like we are at in a point in the cycle right now where people are saying, uh, wow, these Republicans are a bunch of clowns. Uh, why are they so far behind the Democrats and talking about Senate contests right now? Um, and there is a conversation to be had about candidate quality. You know, did did the MAGA wing of the Republican Party uh, push them into nominating bad candidates? But there's also another thing, which is at this stage in a political cycle, the non there's there's incumbency advantage and the the challenging party doesn't have name you know they don't have name id they haven't been on tv advertising they haven't so like you know know the cycles understand how this cycle is different from the last cycle but just kind of understand how it works um and then you know spot the deviations spot the outliers uh you know trust your instincts um and you know you never know what you'll find Indeed, I think that's a really good place to end what's been, I hope, a fascinating and fun interview um, with Alex Keendog Keeney of the Star Spangled Gambits. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, William. And thank you very much for watching.